0: Star Night live with Brie Larson is over, but we are just getting started here on the SNL recap on post show recaps. And now here they are, the fun bun and mud gun of podcasting. <laughs> I'm Rob Cisterna. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? Welcome back.
1: Thank you. It's good to see you. Welcome back. It was uh, it was uh, strange not having you, but
0: uh, but good to have you return. Well, it's it, we're it's good to be back here. I mean, I feel like it's been uh, what almost a month since you and I have done one of yeah. these. Hasn't been a new SNL in a while, and here we are back for the home stretch of season forty-one, the final three weeks with uh, Brie Larson, Drake, and Fred Armisen back to back to back. So a lot to talk about here SNL over the next couple of weeks
1: yes yes we're back in the it's weird to think that we're almost done with season 41 only two more episodes and we put another season in the can
0: another notch in our belt and then we get into the summer hiatus but rich before we get into tonight's show how are you doing good i'm good i'm good thank you to everyone from our community for wishing me a happy birthday
1: yesterday it was very appreciated
0: Big uh, birthday this weekend. Any anything uh, a- anything fun that you could tell us about?
1: Very. No, just very comedy related. So the key and PL movie Keanu with my wife and uh, Saturday Night Live and a couple of comedies on TV. Last Man on Earth starring Will uh, Will Forte, SNL alumni, who was also in Keanu. So actually a very Will Forte heavy weekend. So but it was fun. Nice, fun
0: weekend. All right. Well, let's jump into Brie Larson and this week and really a uh, great week for SNL to come back. Uh, a lot of things going on, at least in the political world, as uh, Donald Trump uh, clinches being the presumptive Republican Party nominee. So you figured that there was going to be a lot of stuff there. What we did not figure was that SNL was going to open up with Dana Carvey and the church lady. Rich, this to me seemed like a weird spot to bring back the church lady.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we, you know, I think this was a lot of the NBC Universal synergy. Dana Carvey, who, uh, one of the great cast members of all times, has a new show on USA premiering uh, this Tuesday, I think, uh, called uh, First Impressions. It is a ostensibly a game show about uh, people doing uh, impressions. It's really more of a. Oh, I had no idea about this. Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. hosts it and. Uh, and Dana Carvey is the main judge. Uh, it is supposedly amateur uh, impressionists from all over the country. Although, if you look at the cast list, it looks like Saturday Night at the Comedy Store. So, it's obviously some uh, established comedians. I'm sure the idea of winning is not as important as as getting some airtime. So, looks like it's cute. Uh, the NBC USA is owned by the same parent company as NBC NBC Universal, which is Comcast. So, uh, so I think this was a little bit of a hey, let's remind everybody of Dana Carvey. Love seeing Dana Carvey. Who's going to say no to Dana Carvey? Uh, but I got to say, Church Chat for me, I mean, I grew up loving Dana Carvey on SNL. He's my guy. But Church cat Chat for me lost it, wore out its welcome in the 90s. So to see it again, I was very excited. But I found myself Uh, The delta between how much I wanted to laugh and how much I did laugh was fairly extreme on this one. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I have some uh, things to say about it as well. So let's get let's get into it. So here's the church lady. She's back to talk about everything uh, going on and uh, opens up talking about some uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z stuff. Okay. Um, whatever. But then we get into the uh, Trump and Ted Cruz bit. And for me, I found like that this was a little bit of a weird triangulation of, okay, it's the church lady talking politics. And okay, that you would feel like, oh, so where does she land in all this? Church lady is a uh, very anti-Trump and also very anti-Ted Cruz which I felt like it was a weird spot for church lady to be in. And she seemed to be at least by not saying anything kind of pro Hillary Clinton, which I felt like was just a weird angle for the church lady.
1: Well, I would agree with you. And I would say I'll even pull the camera back another 50,000 feet. The fact that church lady was not the unusual one in this sketch was so anti the constructive church lady. Normally church lady is sort of regular people or celebrities coming on. The last time we saw this was in 2011 when Dana Carvey guest hosted and we had the Kardashians and we had Snooki and we had the real Justin Bieber make a cameo. And we hear these crazy conservative church lady views here, church ladies being the voice of reason, which sort of made the comedy of church lady hard to kind of lock into. So when we get the big, isn't that special? The audience that doesn't know Church Lady doesn't even know to laugh because it's not a comic line. Because it's what the what was just said was crazy, and it was so it, it wasn't an unusual thing. So I, I agree with you. I think this was a, a weird use of Church Lady,
0: and I could kind of get you know Church Lady is anti-Trump because I definitely have have friends that i I've, so, I've seen their moms post this past week on Facebook about how when Ted Cruz dropped out, being very upset about that that there's no evangelical candidate left in the race you would think that church lady might be you know pro ted cruz anti-trump but it seemed very odd to me that she's both anti-trump and cruz and 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 was anti-cruz because he's too evangelical he seemed like he's too preachy
1: yeah, he was too preachy, which you, I was waiting for the then comparison to her actual direct line to God that I thought she was going to out preach the, you know, the, the preachy. And in, and in fact, she did not do that. She just called him on it. So, yeah, definitely an, an odd one for me. Yeah,
0: it's, I feel like I have not heard that criticism that anybody who's a religious conservative down on Ted Cruz for being too preachy.
1: Yeah, especially someone who is, you know, is mocking uh, conservative uh, know it alls. So right. it seemed like yes. a weird place yeah. to
0: attack him from. I yeah. kind of feel like that SNL this week, especially like and really all season long, beat up on Ted Cruz way more than, than Donald Trump. I felt like after the show, I'm like, but what did Ted Cruz do to SNL?
1: Yeah, I also felt like this was a case of, okay, wow, they, you know, from the from the comedic sort of mapping out of your season, they just effectively lost Ted Cruz for the last two episodes. So now they're like instead of having a full season of Ted Cruz, they had to sort of wrap him up. Uh, I felt I I will give I love Taron. He just thought I'm going to do this laugh. The Ted Cruz laugh. Forget 10, forget 11. He took it to 16. And I like that that crazy laugh was just played out to like, well, I'm only doing this character one more time. Let's have some fun.
0: Yeah. And then here we had then the Daryl Hammond. Uh, Trump again is on with the church lady. And again, as you were saying that to have the church lady be the straight person in this. I felt like that, you know, they were really playing up a wacky Trump uh, to, to set her up for, you know, being like, uh, you know, saying stuff to the camera of, you know, be, you know, isn't that special? You know, could it be Satan? I, I don't know. I did. I was so excited. And, and you're right. It was not it, it was not a payoff for me.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, I think there was some funny stuff within it that, you know, I I like the idea that he brings on his wife, his daughter and just another model for Mm -hmm. eye candy. Uh, You know, I I didn't necessarily think that Ted Cruz becoming a a demon was necessarily hilarious. But I do like that. Trump still gets a shot at him saying you're the first guy who got possessed and looks better. I thought that was fun. Uh, For me, the sketch was also sort of twinged with the sadness to say, you know what? We're 18 episodes in And new guy John Rosinski only gets camera time as alternative demon playing the pan flute. I thought, boy, that is not a good sign when it comes to renewals this summer. You better have a big Drake episode or you are in trouble.
0: Okay, uh, let's get into the Brie Larson monologue. And again, uh, it's, it's been a theme a lot of this season, short monologues. And we do the thing I feel like we did this last year of We did this
1: last year with Reese Witherspoon. We bring
0: out the moms.
1: Bring out the moms. It's, it's a little bit of a pattern. Uh, you know, this to me felt almost more like a Muppet show monologue. I felt like Brie Larson was the epitome of adorable. I don't know that I would say she was hilarious, nor was she meant to be in this, but she was clearly adorable. Kind of a, a, a reminded me of uh, Janice from the Dr. Teeth electric band in a, in a fun, cute, sexy way. Uh, and, and in a weird way, uh, you know, uh, other than a brief highlight for me, a very odd structure comedically in which we're asking the moms to deliver the punchlines. So, you know, when we see Brie Larson's mom in the audience and she says, are you excited, mom? She's like, yeah, I love Alicia Keys. And the mom delivered that line fine, but the whole audience, I think, had that like, oh, the mom's making a joke. Okay, And so it was it was an odd setup to watch Pete Davidson's mom have a joke and watch uh, Kate McKinnon's mom make a joke that everybody loves Brie, who or who doesn't love Brie or something like that. Uh, So uh, odd for me, Uh, generally speaking, odd for me.
0: Overall, who's had more screen time this season, John Rednitsky or Pete Davidson's mom?
1: Oh, I, at this point, Pete Davidson's mom is getting way more screen time and more laughs, which is sad. Uh, You know, so for me, th- this was totally fine. Nothing bad about it. Nothing exciting except for my man, Bobby. Bobby showing up to just just zip in for his Mother's Day's message. Hi, Mom, go into my room, grab the remote and record all the seasons of Vanderpump Rules, <laughs> which just really made me laugh. And then when Bree says, you live with your mom, he's like... <laughs> I pay rent i just thought perfect bobby perfect bobby saves the day on the monologue
0: all right so short and sweet on the monologue and then uh, let's get to our presidential barbie and so we have this new barbie she is president uh it's not really hillary clinton but it's a hillary clinton-esque doll and the young girls are uninterested in playing with this rich what was your take on this
1: I liked it. I, 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 you know, in a perfect world, it wasn't either enough about Hillary Clinton or generic enough to speak to women in politics. So I definitely thought that this was fun execution, a fun premise. I found myself sort of like not totally in on the joke. Cause I was like, are we just purely bagging on that young girls don't like Hillary either? Or are we trying to make a joke about women being president? Uh, so I felt myself a little sort of yeah. loosey goosey on this. I
0: was in that same boat. I was trying to figure out, is this an anti Hillary? Where is it? Hillary is the person forcing the doll on women of, hey, don't don't like vote for me because I'm a woman. Don't you want to play with this doll? Who's a woman president? Or was it making fun of women and say, like, wait, why aren't you excited that we might have a woman president? Why? Why aren't you in on this? So, yes. yeah, neither fish nor fowl. I thought.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. So still fun, still still some funny lines, still some fun play. The kids were actually quite good. They did a really nice job. I think Matt and Oz directed this. They did a great job with the kids. Um, but because I think that we lost that specificity of what are what are the writers trying to say? I think it it unfortunately lost that little special something that could have made it a, an, an excellent parody. So, you know, a, a, certainly a B for me. Okay,
0: Rich, then we get into this sketch and it was the reprisal. I think it was earlier this season. You're going to have to refresh my memory which episode it was where we had people talking about being abducted by aliens. Now Kate McKinnon is the same character and it's people who've had near death experiences and the other people on the panel have had very positive experiences where Kate McKinnon's character has had a very negative experience.
1: Yeah, so this was a weird one for me starting out because, so this was, you're correct, from December of this year, the Ryan Gosling episode, they were doing alien abductions, and as probably everybody remembers because this sketch went viral, it was the first time we did it, well written and well performed, but the magic was that everybody lost it, they were all laughing through the sketch and in SNL world, that's a very dangerous thing to try to reproduce, if you remember years ago one of the iconic, when they introduced the dead Debbie Downer character. Mm -hmm. The sketch was it was it was a a Lindsay Lohan episode. And it was hilarious because uh, because Jimmy was laughing, Fallon was laughing and Horatio was laughing and she was laughing and it was so funny. And then they kept trying to do they did Debbie Downer like three more times and it never worked because it's not that it was an unfunny writing or unfunny character, but you didn't have that that organic laughter. And so it died. So going into this one, I just thought, oh, boy, we are in big trouble. Like, this could be really dangerous here. And uh, and she really, Kate McKinnon sort of says it after the first two sort of explain their positive experiences. She says, similar concept, different execution. And I was like, boy, you are right about that. And then just the quality of the writing and the quality of McKinnon's performance just got me it mm-hmm. was clearly not as good as the Ryan Gosling one but if I had never seen the Ryan Gosling one this would have been my favorite sketch of the night I mean it was just there was just so much fun about this and Bobby did start to break a little bit and 80 was sort of giggling mm-hmm. and, and then and even more so than the last one Kate herself was really starting to break so I thought uh, I thought this actually worked out really well and it, it ended up being a nice piece of business yeah
0: I really thought 80 was going to lose it like there's a couple points where she's like real like really interesting She's like looking down at the paper and uh, she's, yeah. she's like nobody really went over the top. But yeah, you felt like that they were right there
1: yeah there was a point where Bobby was outright laughing but not too crazy I think it was when it when she said I think Keith botched it and sent me to dog heaven and 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 Bobby just he just sort of had that look and it was just real this is some of that stuff was just really funny
0: yeah uh, I don't remember this from the first go round, but uh, it feels like that uh, that Kate's character was saying a bunch of uh, like pairings of the uh, the fun bun and the mud gun uh, the drainer and stainer <laughs>
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes i that i think that was very similar to sort of stylistically i think in the first one she also went full porky pig if i remember correctly i think that was a theme of her going full porky pig which i i like that and i i really just like the end when keith was jamming his hurt was just something like jamming my soul into my body like he was jamming carry on into an overhead compartment yeah just so fun such a fun piece so yeah. that I,
0: I thought it all worked out really well no i really did uh like that one what the next live sketch is uh the women at the baby shower i i, I think yes uh, yep. and they are all talking about the cut rich so
1: first I'll say this this is is meta and if you're listening to this podcast you're with me on meta I always have this weird feeling that when someone like Shashir Zameda who doesn't get a lot of screen time normally suddenly has a very prominent role in a sketch I always assume that means she wrote it and then sure enough checking Twitter uh, this morning Shashir wrote this sketch with Sudi Green and Julio Torres so uh, I thought "Mm, that is very telling about uh, potentially where she's at and we'll talk more about her specifically on Weekend Update. Uh, I thought this was fun. I thought this sketch was very well written, very well executed. Probably not for me. I laughed, but I didn't laugh with the same acknowledgement that I think, uh, you know, a lot of women in my life would potentially uh, find this funny. Uh, So but it was it was a really cute idea. And I I always love seeing the women of SNL together uh, really strongly executing a piece of comedy. So uh, for me, it was more fun than funny. uh, But a lot of good lines, Pepper throughout it was pretty it was it was well done for what it was
0: yeah i really did like how specific the references were i think was uh really what uh drove it home for me uh when they're talking about how uh, so when you're at a wedding and you decide i have to have the centerpiece uh and you know i just can't leave a wedding uh without getting a centerpiece the way that they're describing uh, the haircut, I feel like that I'm going to uh, mix up the references, but they said it's like a waterfall in the front and the Iron Throne in the back. Uh, I just I, I really did like um, just, right. you know, the scared dinosaur from Jurassic Park, I think, was one. Yeah. Right. I did yeah. feel like there was one point where uh, Leslie uh, missed her cue. And uh, there was a little bit of wonkiness going on at one point.
1: I think so too. I think so too. I, to your point, I like the specificity when uh, when uh, Vanessa Bayer has her weird moment. She's like, I I was in the bathroom and I thought I heard the ocean. I realized my bathroom was an ocean, and I needed seashells and sandals, soap made of sandals. And then then they have that whole thing. But no, the the kitchen is a farm, and this was like this is bizarre. Like, yeah, you're right. That is a weird thing. That is very mom thing.
0: So, yeah, uh, great specificity to the this rustic sign that says home yes <laughs> yeah. yeah very fun okay all right let's get to talking about alicia keys and let's bring in our musical correspondent he is the editor of exclaim magazine uh the great james keist to talk alicia keys rich are you a big alicia keys guy Well, I'm going to be interested
1: to see what James says. I used to be a huge Alicia Keys fan from the first two, maybe three albums. Uh, And but we'll see. Uh, We'll talk about the the, these uh, the two different songs tonight. I'm very interested to see what James has to say. All right,
0: James. Alicia Keys.
2: Yeah. Brie Larson's mom's favorite. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> uh I, I you know when they said when I heard it was Alicia Keys that was sort of my first thought. I was like is Alicia Keys in the right demographic for Saturday night live at this point? I think she's really moved into the people's mom's favorite. Uh except that she's not she's not going there uh without a fight apparently at least by indications of the first song. Um I don't know if if Rihanna wasn't looking when Alicia Keys stole this song from her, but uh Honestly, like, you know, Rihanna's a fine performing artist, but is not a great singer. And Alicia Keys is a really talented singer and a very talented pianist and songwriter. So throughout the In Common, the first song, I just thought this is so beneath your talents. Like, you're a better singer than this song is asking you to be. And you're a more talented musician. It just seemed like a kind of lazy... Like appeal to a younger audience with this sort of a hip island groove, very much Rihanna's corner. Rihanna does it much better, and it it just didn't for me. It just didn't fit Alicia Keys. It was just weird. And that that look that was that was a whole lot of look going on uh, with the outfit for the first song as well, with the hammer pants and uh, and the plunging neckline and the headscarf. It was there was a lot going on, and uh, I wish there was less going on with the look and more going on with the song.
1: But I, I just got to jump in. I couldn't agree with you more. I felt like as an as an old Alicia Keys fan watching her play what I guess is like dance music must have been like being a Chicago's Bulls fan watching Michael Jordan play baseball like. Okay, he's still better than I can do it. But why isn't he doing the thing he's the best in the world at? It was, it was, it was, it almost annoyed me to watch that song because, like you said, it just felt like she was tying both hands behind her back and uh, and kind of phoning it in. I'm sure she wasn't, but I'm like, why aren't you doing the thing that you are so amazing at?
2: Right, and I and I think that is uh, the dilemma that she's in because I think. You know, she does get the call for things like the hook on uh, on uh, Empire State of Mind, the Jay-Z single, and things like that. But she's she's not uh, a hip artist currently. Arguably, she never really has been. She's always been sort of uh, more sophisticated than that. But um, I, I think she's going to look back on this and go, yes. Like, An oh boy was,
0: for Alicia Keys? Oh
2: a career oh boy. You know, she doesn't yeah. do bad. She's good at what she does, but this this isn't the right choice for her.
0: Yeah, and,
1: I feel because the first two albums I always thought of as rock more than anything. And maybe I'm wrong, but uh, but this I, I think she's been trying to fit into a demo. Maybe she never found her big audience with the with this musical styles of her first two albums. But it it feels like maybe she's lost. And I, I can't imagine what what would be the right move for her career wise.
2: Well, I think she ought the audience she found was Brie Larson's mom right and except she was in her early 20s when she found that audience Mm -hmm. now she's like oh but i want to why aren't i you know in with the hip crowd yeah uh so for the second song i thought uh hallelujah is was uh what it's called and it it was much more back to sort of what you'd expect and and her wheelhouse uh great singing uh you know back at the piano much more of a, you know, a song song and uh, and much more what I was expecting from Alicia Keys. So uh, I know that the that In Common is a is a single that she released a couple weeks ago. And obviously she's trying to promote that. Uh, she does. She does have a record coming. Uh, At some point this year, there's still no announcement or anything. Um, It'll probably just be a surprise album drop like everything these days. Uh, But uh, yeah, so there is new material coming. I don't know if it'll be more like the first song or more like the second song. I don't know how Brie Larson's mom's going to feel about it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, James, I know that in the pre-show, you talked about how you wanted to get in on talking about the, uh, dead bops, uh, dead the, bops. Uh, the CD <laughs> commercial, uh, from the end of the show. So we're going to go a little bit out of order while we have James here, uh, to talk that through. And we have, uh, Bing Crosby setting up a CD of holograms performing modern music, uh, First off, uh, James, what is your opinion on the hologram phenomenon uh, of bringing back artists that are gone and then having them perform? Uh,
2: I don't know if you've—I se- don't think the movie hasn't opened yet, but I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the uh, upcoming uh, Lonely Island movie, uh, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. No, I haven't. Um, yeah. Oh, you need to check it out. It's—it's uh, it's basically. Lonely Island, and and I, I at one point they just have a holog, they have just a whole bunch of holograms on stage uh, all at once, and I think that movie is probably just going to put an end to the whole hologram on stage thing, because it's just it's ridiculous. It was ridiculous when uh, Natalie Cole was singing with hologram Nat King Cole. we <laughs> uh, need
0: hologram Natalie yeah. Cole. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. just,
2: it's it's gone too far.
0: Okay. <laughs> Alright. So, uh, However, Mm -hmm.
2: when employed for a sketch like this, I am all in favor of hologram
0: musician. Okay, uh, Rich, uh, what were the standouts for you here?
1: Um, You know, I I really did. I mean, I'm not a Leslie Gore fan. I don't think I could tell you who Leslie Gore is other than by type, but I think her singing Nicki Minaj was just, and Brie Larson singing Nicki Minaj was very funny to me. I thought that was uh, just a a really fun piece. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there was anyone else that really stood out to me. Uh, I I liked that they were quick and they sort of kept moving, uh, so that was really fun for me. The, the, The pacing of it worked really well.
0: James, what about for you, uh, I
2: I really liked Ethel Merman being the Selena Gomez yeah. of her time, no, right? <laughs> and Paul Robeson, yeah, just pulling Paul Robeson out as a reference. I didn't I would, even know who that was. That this is what was so odd about this was because it appealed to anyone old enough to get the elder references, isn't going to get any of the contemporary ones, and anyone who gets the the reference to the new Justin Bieber song you know, is has no clue who Roy Orbison is. And I just thought in in its cons- like I thought this was a very funny sketch and really well executed. But I think they realized, wait, literally no one is gonna <laughs> get both halves of this. Right? <laughs> right. There isn't no a person alive who is gonna get both is, the young jokes and the old jokes. Is
0: that why you think it ended up so late in the show? Because out of the execution, it was really well done. You say, well, why wasn't this earlier in the night?
2: That was my question. Then I'm like, did they did no one get no one in that audience knows who Bing Crosby is?
1: To start. Mm-hmm. I thought that too. I'm like Bing Crosby. Nobody gets Bing Crosby.
2: So as good a Leslie Gore impression as you might have, it's really. Like when they got to Ethel Merman, I was like, "Okay, this has really gone off the rails." Like, who who is who is uh, in charge of making sure that these references are going to be what anyone would get?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, James, next week Drake hosts a musical guest. I believe uh, it was last season, uh, or or season season fourteen. Okay, season thirty nine. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When Drake hosted, uh, from my memory, I think he did a good job. Uh, Yeah 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 it was good he was very solid he did a solid job this is uh the what is drake bigger than ever right now james
2: absolutely yeah
0: okay it's so a huge yeah. moment for drake uh next week on on the snl and then some yeah.
2: would say it's a huge moment for snl <laughs>
0: yeah yeah <laughs> all right so uh, we'll be back to talk about it next week of course you follow james on twitter he is at exclaim editor okay take care james thanks guys bye-bye all right, Rich. Uh, let's get into talking it through the weekend update. Busy night at the update desk. Lot going on. Lot of lot of lot of stopping by. That's for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So, uh, of course, uh, with everything going on uh, this week with uh, Trump uh, clinching, you knew we were going to have a lot of stuff uh, Trump related at the top. I did like how uh, that Trump clinched the Republican nomination. It's like the beginnings of a Star Wars scroll. Yes. And the scroll said episode eight, the orange menace (laughs) definitely made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like that they made fun of his Cinco de Mayo tweet. I thought they didn't do themselves a disservice to show the actual tweet because it really seemed like a parody of a Donald Trump tweet mm-hmm. that ended with him saying, I love Mexicans or I love Hispanics. Yes. It was really crazy. Uh, so it was, it was right. But uh, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun jokes at the top about that. Uh, I think Che uh, probably not as many funny jokes and that might just be the writers. that may not be him uh, on that topic. But overall, uh, a couple of real funny jokes to get us going.
0: OK, so Vanessa Bayer is back as the uh, child newscaster who's in musicals um which thought it was uh pretty funny but can i do a little nitpick on this yeah to me (laughs) to me uh, i feel it takes me a little bit out of it when michael che pretends that this has never happened before that we're going to bring in this person that we do this. We do a segment with, with always with with kids all the time. Here is this person. She's in this show and let's bring her on. And then it's almost as if Michael Che has no memory that this is, what this sketch is
1: yeah we just did this in january with the adam driver they're so mad libbing this effing segment that mm-hmm. they're not even rewriting the top to say welcome back because that would be too much cutting and pasting <laughs> but this sketch i mean again with this i mean i it again it's fun i mean I, I, i'm so torn on this one because It was funny the first time I think This was a funnier outing I think we're sort of they're finding The rhythm of the sketch which is Naive young girl Starts on a topic that is actually Quite racy she doesn't know Why it's so racy and then tags It with the very on the nose Racy thing so we're sort of getting that So when you know when she's talking about you know STD stand for seriously Terrible dates because everyone has Herpes okay (laughs) get it get it Uh, And I did like when he asks her if she knows what herpes is and she says it's like when you're downstairs says I ay, aye ay. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so mad libs it is I mean it is it is the it is the female version of Jacob the bar mitzvah boy we're just doing basically the same thing over and over again but doing it well but uh, I,
0: uh boy yeah, see, I, I was more annoyed with the Michael part of it just because you know like it he could try to steer her away from doing something like at the point where it's like, it's like, oh, it's a shock for him that this is what's going to happen. I feel like that, uh, we've said, like Seth Meyers, like, knows what Stefan is going, like, what direction he's going in at the point he starts um I, I don't know i don't yeah, know why that's i mean me.
1: and then to be fair that is probably not michael che's fault that is probably vanessa and or whomever she is writing this with mm-hmm. that is give, giving the lines to michael che to say this is how this is who your character is in this piece um so uh, some funny stuff but i you're right it is just so mad
0: libs i <laughs> so hopefully okay. we're good right. for the season and here's pete davidson he's back. Uh, was uh, Shashir next or? Oh, I'm sorry, they have the order? Um,
1: yeah, I think the order was a little wrong in the in the article you and I both saw. I think, she, yeah, Shashir, we, and then Pete closed this.
0: Okay, book. so uh, Shashir is going to uh, tell a story about the time she was called a McGriddle.
1: Yeah, so so we haven't, so Shashir, remember, Shashir started as a stand-up comedian first and foremost, although she, she does uh, UCB and stuff like that. Uh, and I would say she, uh, the last time we saw her was a year ago, a year and a half ago at Christmas uh, doing a thing, it was a technology piece that ended up just being about Emoji. emojis. Yeah. And uh, and I, 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 she's not finding her rhythm here. This was a weird. There was a lot of fun little pieces here, but we decide that we're going to call the N word McGriddle instead of the actual N word. But then it just kind of sort of goes all over. So it felt like there were a lot of cute little chunks that she had mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily add up to a cohesive piece. And I think it much got like. It Lost, yeah. Hey, don't the McGriddle is a beautiful piece of work. That is that is that is technology and art coming together. Uh, yeah, so it was. I mean, I like the idea when she says we're going to call it a McGriddle, and then uh, Colin gets upset and says, "Well, can I call it a Magrida? I thought that was cute. But the whole idea of like, we're going to use a different word, it kind of then she just at one point starts referring to that word and the N word. And it's like, oh, wait, wait, weren't we Mm -hmm. doing the whole McGriddle thing? Why were we doing that in the first place? So uh, there's some funny stuff here, but I felt like she hasn't quite found her voice on SNL. I think very interestingly, the end just to jump the end for a second was she then at the very end. Uh, You know, in a joking way, uses the real N-word, calling uh, Colin Jost the N-word, and then after the tag yells, don't be mad, it's my birthday, and I was like, come on, if you're going to do it, do it or don't do it, but you sort of like, not because I have any issue, but because as a performer – you either own it or don't do it. Kind of that half in half out is what gives me that feeling of why am, why do I like, why is she so likable, but I'm not loving this. And I think that was a lot of the feeling I had.
0: Yeah. The AV club recap of this sketch. Uh, I think they said that she was like uh, going in fits and starts. And I think that that was a really good way to describe it where it was like when, you know, at times she was going like, oh yeah. And then it was like really like uh, ran random momentum. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it was fine. I would
1: love to see, I think she's talented I would love to see her find her voice on the show uh, I don't think we've seen her Do a good weekend update character Or a uh, piece yet That sort of goes, oh That's something that uh, only Shashir can do, and especially Having, uh, you know, Colin uh, Having Michael Che uh, As an African American, as one of the anchors You know, she doesn't even necessarily there Now there's a lot of people uh, of color On the show, which is great, so even This whole run was not something that only Shashir could have done. So she's really, I think, got to find her voice. I'm sure she'll come back next season, which I would endorse and want her to, but I really hope that she can find her voice and and push into areas that are maybe a little bit truly edgier.
0: Okay. And then Pete Davidson is back uh, and uh, he is- Back back two shows
1: ago. He was on two shows ago. Peter Dinklage, (laughs) the Hulk Hogan thing. And I'm not knocking Pete Davidson, but- we can we two shows. Give it a rest for a minute.
0: Yeah. I don't even remember how, how did we get into Pete Davidson? What was the setup to get it? Was it Mother's Day? I think it was just Mother's Day. Okay. I think it was a Mother's Day run. Yeah. Yeah so ba- back Pete Davidson's mom is back and talking about a bunch of things how she was always there for him she, ra- she raised him uh, we got into some of Pete Davidson's mom's tweets which at first I thought actually were real but then uh, by the end uh, I am be- I'm under the impression that they are not real I think it was the opposite actually
1: and this was a problem I had with the piece is that he they did the tweets that were like kind of funny but kind of not funny and then at the end he goes those are actual tweets did I not say that or something and I I'm like, oh, if those really were tweets, especially the second one to Lauren Michaels, that would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh so I I am not sure. I'd love to hear from the group, but uh I, I think it really was.
0: Okay. Um, so and then you I feel like then at that point, then they have to have been tongue in cheek if they're real. I, I assume so. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, it was funny, but I just was confused.
1: Yes. Yeah. I thought there were a lot of funny jokes in here about how, his, when he was 15, his mom bought him condoms. And then five years later, when they expired, he bought him more condoms. She bought him more condoms. A lot of funny lines. But then, guys, guys, I've explained to you the rule of cameos on SNL a thousand times. Moms are not exempt from the rules of SNL cameos. If you're going to close weekend update with a mom, don't have her do one joke in the monologue. monologue. Because at that point, it's just like, wow, it's more pete davidson's mom and i'm not pete davidson mom bashing but it was like uh it oh. would have been such a funnier moment if we didn't know she was in the room when they did that
0: yeah and if you're watching this pete davidson's mom rich's twitter handle is at rich tech then <laughs> send, send your feedback directly to him exactly <laughs> yeah
1: hey she did a for a mom she did a very good job she was great it was good having her but uh mm. you, one you get all i i apply the same to to you know hey you know uh, uh dana carvey gets it if it applies to dana it applies <laughs> to the moms okay um anything else on weekend update no short okay. good good a yeah, lot a of, lot of stuff
0: all yeah. right let's go to uh weekend update oh I'm sorry so the, uh, for the game of thrones sketch coming out of a uh, weekend update i wonder if SNL felt like that okay this was sort of obligatory you had to do a Game of Thrones thing uh this week now I, Rich what's the rule and I'm so in the podcasting world you know with spoilers like hey hold on just want to let you know this is spoilers if you're going to listen to this this is spoilers I'm going to to tweet about this SNL uh, cares nothing about your spoilers
1: well yeah and what's interesting is uh, SNL is usually not this topical usually it's Game of Thrones is coming back let's do a generic Game of Thrones either it's Southwesteros or it's the boobs this is really the very rarely do we see SNL yeah like take a very specific thing and I think I I give them the pass on the spoiler rule, because who could this have been ruined for this? (laughs) This sketch, if it had aired after the season finale last year would not have been a spoiler. (laughs) yeah
0: nope. and All i right. think well let's just try, i I, it. Yeah. I hate getting uh complaints about this sort of stuff so uh, we're going to be giving spoilers for game for game of thrones uh season yes. six episode two coming up in about three seconds and we did a john john snow comes back to life sketch now rich i got some uh, feedback on this uh brendan fitzpatrick in particular and i had the same thought myself was who was this appealing to in terms of who was saying Game of Thrones was really dragging this out way too long? Uh,
1: every single person I've I've talked to that watches Game of Thrones, me and Genevieve included. Yeah, two episodes uh, was it was it? I mean, two episodes. Yeah, it was you're coming out of the season finale that he's dead. He's lying on a slab for ages. It wasn't just that it took two episodes. It was the amount of screen time devoted to the dead body of Jon Snow. And what are we going to do was just so laborious. It was like and it's not like I mean, it would have been a surprise if after he died kid harrington was like well thank you america for supporting me i'm gonna go now do a new uh sitcom with uh matthew perry and so uh good luck to game of thrones it was like it not that it was ever revealed that he was coming back but it was the the worst kept secret that he wasn't doing anything else mm-hmm. so it was so obvious that people weren't like guys he's dead like let it go already the 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 producers weren't like come on like let's let's focus up guys on on the new season Jon Snow's dead let's focus on the story it was like "Mm, I don't know what's gonna happen so I think that for me the two episodes and and Jen and I were practically screaming at the screens at times like let's go already we know it's gonna work so uh so this was uh, for me it was uh it was perfect in in making fun of that exact
0: thing. Yeah, if it would have went on another episode, I, w- I would have been there, but I felt like uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any major uh, gripes with it. That, but that's for a Game of Thrones podcast uh, in terms of the portrayals. Of, I thought that uh, Taron Killam really nailed Davos. He did a really
1: nice job. Most other people were like, who are you supposed to be playing? Uh, <laughs> I think it actually would have been to me a little bit more fun if we could have had uh, Brie Larson play Melisandre just to give her some something mm-hmm. bigger to do instead of the commentary. It was unfortunate that they didn't make those two characters, actual game of Thrones
0: characters. Like give a reason. Yeah, for they were it. no, they weren't, they weren't. They just, characters. Yeah, I don't know who Keenan yeah. was supposed to be, I, yeah,
1: but he was very funny. I mean, I will give Keenan; He did breathe some life into it. He's like, keep that Move. It was like, I can't remember what he yelled, but it was just like, his yelling. Uh, so uh, yeah. So very funny. Uh, I, I just thought, and I wouldn't, I thought the sketch was hilarious because of what it was making fun of of the execution of it was probably a B, but because it's so tapped into something so current, so relevant and in a way so minor and specific, I wish SNL did this more. Mm-hmm. Make fun of very specific things that America is talking about. And I do understand you have to put it after Weekend Update because if you're not watching Game of Thrones, you can't understand what is funny about this. Where if you, you know you can watch a lot of the other Game of Thrones things, you know Bobby Moynihan playing the stop motion dragon is still fairly funny if you don't actually know game of thrones this is not but i would love to see more of post update be this kind of specificity in its humor
0: i wonder if this would have played better last week where he, he still was not back alive and it's like oh come on where as opposed to following a week where i think everybody was pretty happy okay he's alive that it was like, what took so long to get to this point? Whereas if when it was still happening, I think maybe it might have been time better, but there was no show like last week. So what are you going to do? Yeah, but you know what?
1: I would disagree. I like this because I thought the second episode not to make this game a it was so drawn out within the episode and even the actual magic spell was so drawn out <laughs> that I was like, I, I was with the
0: writers. I I was of the moment <laughs> with the writers. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the quiz Whiz 2018, which was uh, really continuing just the barrage on Ted Cruz. Uh, this week.
1: This was a weird one to go this week. I thought this would have been such a fun sketch to do next week after we've all sort of like because I think in seven days no one will be talking about Ted Cruz so to do this at the end of next week's episode would have been fun I thought for what is a one note joke it was a little too long the middle was a little saggy but in general I thought this was very solid. I thought this was very fun. It was a nice turn to where they're going uh, how forgettable he was. I thought was really good uh, and a very nice twist at the end. I thought I thought this
0: was a good a good solid sketch. A couple things on it. Now, the twist at the end, did that have any sort of like that sort of changed the prism that I was viewing this sketch in where it was like I wasn't really thinking anything about it. But then when I find out that this is sort of on Trump run 2018 television, is this sort of Donald Trump approved content of continuing to bash Ted Cruz two years after the fact where we were like erasing him off the map. It's a good question. I
1: took it more as just a little bit of a of a little bit of an extra sort of like, you know, how do we get out of this? Let's just make fun. So I didn't necessarily tie the two together,
0: but you might be right. And also, I think that the stuff about the 2018 jokes, uh, I would have liked to have had more of like, what will two years from now be like? And I felt like that the, oh, we have, of course we have flying cars now. It's 2018. Like, I felt right. like that that was sort of like uh, that that was more cartoony than anything that was uh, like an actual joke with teeth. Right. Uh, I would like that.
1: We're all transgender now. It's 28- yeah, 20. That,
0: that, that I like, yeah. uh, but yeah. in, like flying cars and, and stuff like that, like it's not going to be that uh, f- yes. futuristic. I agree. Uh, yeah. uh, What about the the, the turn that uh, that, sh- that Heidi Cruz was one of the contestants? Well,
1: I thought that to me that because I thought that the, the, the Trump thing was just sort of the extra sort of like blow to get out. Mm-hmm. I thought that to the, the turn that it was his wife was a very funny idea yeah. and it just it was a fresh <laughs> (laughs) and different, and she played it so well. Like, oh right i thought that (laughs) i thought that was a very funny just as the sketch was starting to sag and i was like "Mm, maybe we're getting a little that was such a nice sort of uh hit that they did which i i liked a lot
0: did it take you out of it at all that taron Killam was the other contestant on the show and he is ted cruz on snl
1: no uh the the only thing is again comedy nerd brain was going well obviously we know the answer is ted cruz ted cruz is not going to show up if Mm -hmm. taron had not been in the sketch i might. I'd have have wondered if he was gonna. Yeah, but that was because I'm a huge overthinking (laughs) comedy nerd. So I think uh, for the most part, no. I thought it was. I thought it was fine.
0: Okay. The only other sketch of the night is uh, the uh, Kyle Mooney uh, discreet Annihilation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, It's long, long podcast. Uh, Sure. It wasn't bad. Um, Can we just rerun the same ones over again? Yeah, it was just
1: another take on the same thing. I know this is the Good Neighbor specialty. Dave McCary directed it. Uh obviously the you know the the gang wrote it. Um yeah, I mean they did a nice job committing to it. Uh their little movie that they did was, you know, cute for what it was. Uh it's just it again it it it's it, I feel like it's millennial Mad Libs for me. It's 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 taking the Mad Libs SNL format and applying it to a pre-taped uh, s- scenario. So Okay. yeah, it's you know what? It's 1250 at night. Fine by me, whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, uh, in case of before we get to everything that's going on with the good nights, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of these commercials that we saw during the episode where I know that there was an announcement about commercial time. And I thought that was going into effect next season. But we saw a lot of integrated ads, uh, not in the show, but where the commercials are. And it really threw me off with fast forwarding commercials.
1: Yeah. So uh, so what you're talking about is a little bit of SNL news that broke. A lot of us were talking about it on Twitter is that they've announced uh, that for next season, starting uh, in season 42. There will be two less commercial breaks, uh, effectively removing a lot of the commercial time. Uh, so there'll be more SNL uh probably that could be uh, I want to say eight to ten minutes. I'm sure some of uh, my friends uh, from the TV world who listen w- will correct me, but so that could be a lot more commercial time. Uh, they will they will start doing some branded entertainment spots. So so they are, uh I think a few times during the year, uh, com- uh, uh, advertisers will pay to be involved in commercials. I thought it was a weird thing to announce that advertisers are going to pay to be in SNL after the week that we had a CVS commercial. I think we had a t- we had like the if you look Back at the Russell Crowe match Dot commercial uh, There were so many brands referenced That it was odd uh, so yeah uh, But that said this you know this You know weird to start fast forwarding and you See Bobby Moynihan playing drums No it's a Pizza Hut commercial uh, And then at one point is like oh There's Jay Farrow who got more Screen time in an Old Navy commercial Than he did on SNL this Week with uh, Nassim Pedrad And uh, Cecily Strong and uh, uh, Kunal uh, Kunal Nanjani from uh, Silicon Valley who I love so uh yeah there was a couple of uh, a couple of shows so uh here so obviously there's no chance that's a coincidence I know that uh, Broadway video has a commercial unit the the company that produces SNL uh for NBC sort of, uh, has a commercial unit and I'm sure that this was sort of a, a bigger deal. I am sure this is not coincidence. I am sure that Broadway Video is brokering deals uh, for SNL cast members who would like to uh, do, uh, make money the same way that we saw Hans and Franz doing, uh, selling things and some other SNL, kind of cone heads selling, uh, you know, things, uh, which was all brokered by them. So, so interesting. And I'll say I like it. I'm a fan of SNL. So if I'm going to sit through commercials, uh, Uh, because I'm watching in real time, might as well be Bobby Moynihan instead of, uh, you know, the gecko lizard or something.
0: (laughs) All right. Here's my question for you. When are these commercials being filmed? Are they being filmed? Are they taking time that would be otherwise invested into the show? Or are they filming these commercials during weeks that there is no SNL?
1: I would guess that. I, I doubt that uh, SNL is specifically making allowances for. Are we uh, robbing the Peter members. to pay Paul? I don't think so. I think this is win-win. I'm going to put it in the win-win
0: category okay. for me. Win-win. Rich, what about the good nights?
1: Uh, fun good nights. There was a little bit of a moat. Uh, I don't think that that was indicative of anything. I think it was just spacing. Uh, but uh, Brie Larson, very excited to say good night, had a good time. Obviously, uh, you know, as we do most every year, we had the moms mm-hmm. on the stage Shadding with us. Up her mom
0: a lot, I noticed. In yes, the yes.
1: Which is the weird thing of like you're hanging out with probably some of your idols and some of the most you know revered people in comedy and your mom is there. So it's got to be great that your mom is there. But it's also like well, I can talk to my mom any day of the week. I'm never going to see these people again. But she did spend a lot of time with her mom that her mom chatting with Dana Carvey was just like, you go, mom. Like, why not? Why not change? You it know was Dana Carvey
0: does. as well, front and center. Good for Dana him. Dana Carvey just staying to the end like a
1: professional, doing what professionals on SNL do, staying for the good nights. Uh, so yeah, a lot of good spirits, a lot of a lot of hugging, a lot of fun. You, you got the moms, so you're gonna have a a really warm experience uh, up there. I thought it was fun.
0: Okay, uh, next week is the Drake episode. Uh, you want to call anything? uh, uh now I'm not talking about a uh, hotline bling, uh, but do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> a, a prediction about the Drake show?
1: You know, it's a good question. I think, you know, we're looking at final two. I, I have a, probably more predictions about uh, the Fred Armisen episode. I think Drake will be good. I think Drake two years ago was very solid. Uh, you know, what was the most memorable
0: know? thing from the original Drake show. Anything stand out? You know, the thing that stood out to me is when he
1: played the dad of the sleepover and 80 uh, mm-hmm. Bryant was weirdly hitting on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I always remember that very fondly. Uh, I have to take a look to see if anything else sort of stands out at me, uh, but I thought that was that was definitely really fun. Yeah, I think that was probably the that was, the sleepover was probably the the thing that was really fun. Oh, that was I think one of the morning Miami they did, but I don't think I don't even remember what Drake did in that. But uh, we have I'm sort of glad we haven't seen Morning Miami in a while, but that was uh, from the Drake episode.
0: All right. Well. Rich. Uh, good stuff all the way around. Uh, one week from today, we'll be back live 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you could follow us on Twitter and we'll get the link out to you. Or you can follow us on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, recaps.com. Rich is at Rich Tack. I am at Rob Sisternino. On Twitter, Rich, anything else? Uh, no, comment
1: on the uh, on PostShowRecaps.com. We try to uh, keep the conversation going during the week. Uh, a lot of people, Megan Z, was just talking about why Kristen Wigg isn't hosting the season finale. I was like,
0: yes, great point. So uh, so let's keep the conversation going in between podcasts. All right, so good stuff. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to our SNL-only feed at PostShowRecaps.com slash SNL iTunes, or uh, for everything we do here on PostShowRecaps, PostShowRecaps.com slash iTunes. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.